Hello there and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Hello there, my name is Des Cal and today's visitor to the island is known to many of you for his musical career and songwriting, Stockton's Wing, but to others for his recipes as a cook. It's a pleasure to welcome a proud Clareman, Mike Hanrahan, to the programme. How are you, Des? Tell me the story about you ditching your school bags one day and heading to Doolin. We we were playing a lot of music in, uh, as young fellas because the family was all music. It was, it was we were born and reared with music. Uh, all eight of us played, and we were playing tunes and sessions in Ennis. And then uh, Doolin kind of opened up in '76. Uh, Tommy McGann uh, and his brother Tony bought a pub, a dilapidated pub, and he'd come down and ask Kieran and Paul to come up and play. And I went down along for the spin because they act, he'd come down and drive down and bring us up to the pub and then drop us home. You um, would you get a few bob? I don't remember actually. Yeah. We, I don't know if they, we, they might have. Yeah, they, we, they might have never said it to me. I never thought about that. I must check that out. But I was. I always said that when I left school, that all I wanted to do was just uh, throw the books because it was kind of tradition to throw the books into the River Fergus. You know. Well, how was that? How was that a tradition? Well, it just happened every year, <laughs> and there was there was a big flow for all those of us who weren't great at, at, at the schooling. And, and I, I would, I was never a fan of school. I didn't like the Christian Brothers School at all, so I was delighted to get out of it. I often reckoned, and I think I wrote in the book that the Lamprey Eels would be far more educated with the books <laughs> than I would have ever been. So, and we did. We headed straight to Doolin, and that was that was the beginning days. You know, it was like it was a gateway for me. You know, and Doolin in the seventies for the next few years. I always I, I describe it all the time as kind of Haight Ashbury in a field, you know, <laughs> down in County Clare, because it was full of people from all over the world and exciting people, and that's what I was exposed to after after living a very kind of secluded life as a kid. Um, Doolin kind of opened up my mind. Really, it was an amazing place. It sounds like I'm fixated with money. I'm not, but were you getting <laughs> at this stage? Were you getting paid? Like you, no, you, no. We, no, we never got paid. We kind of worked in the pub and uh, we. We played music. I, I I got a job in Shannon Airport, so I was kind of up uh, and down then. You had a living though, yeah. that's what I meant. Yeah, I was up yeah. and down. I got a job in Shannon, and like this is before ev- the times when everyone had to go out and do college. And yeah, yeah, degrees. Yeah. If you showed no interest in a college degree, nobody was telling you you had to do it. Like, yeah, so, yeah. And I just wanted to be on the road playing music. But I had a job in Shannon Airport, in, believe it or not, in the kitchens. My first job was in the kitchens in Shannon Airport as a kitchen porter. So I'd, I'd often hitch up to Doolin on a Friday evening. And hitch back down sometimes on Monday morning <laughs> to get to Shannon, you know. And then we'd get a lift up on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. So I practically lived in Doolin really for those few years. Amazing time. And were you playing with your brother still? Yeah, I, I played with Kieran and with Paul. And then I met uh, Maura O'Connell. And uh, we, we sang a lot of songs in Ennis. And we, we kind of end, ended up organising a little band called Tumbleweed. Yeah, yeah. And we toured around. And um, so I kept in touch with Doolan for, for I, I suppose, until about 79, maybe 1980. Then, of course, the Liston Varna Festival happened that time, the first one. And I was there for that. That was the original one of those was supposed to be across the road from, from McGann's and Doolan. Did you play in it? Yeah, we played with Maura O'Connell, myself and with Tumbleweed. And we played Friday afternoon 
when there was about three people in the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good though. It, it was, was good, yeah. And it was the excitement of the festival like, coming to a big festival coming to to Clare. I mean, the only well, it was a massive festival for people now. Young people listening mightn't realise how big it was. Oh, it was massive! Three yeah. days of, of of music, like, and there was thousands of people coming to a field in, in outside Liston Varna. Mm. And I guess the only reference we had to a festival was like Woodstock yeah. in America. And this was this was our Woodstock. So yeah. there was another festival going on in Sligo as well called Balsadair. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I'd been to that a couple of times as a young fella. Uh, but no, having it in your own backyard was 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 amazing. And Maura O'Connell, whose voice has been requested on this programme before, uh, she's a fantastic singer. Amazing. And mm. uh, we became really good friends uh, as, as in our late teens. And we've stayed friends forever and ever and ever. And we stay in touch. In fact, we did a gig in my last gig. I think it was just before lockdown was in New York with Maura. We did a, a reunion, a private reunion gig. And we had so much fun. And, and we, did, we did all the old songs. And it was like, Jesus, 40 years later. Mm. It was just there. So she's and, magic. And who was the audience for that, Mike? It was a, a friend of ours was getting a, 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 an award in, in New York from the Gluckman Society and and he was Claremont and he said I want to get the Banner people out to play for me <laughs> so he did he kindly brought us out and we had a few days in New York and it was really beautiful yeah, yeah gorgeous that's fantastic mm, amazing you mentioned playing on, on Friday at Listing Varney but you, you played with some massive names too didn't you I've, I've been really really lucky when I joined Stockton's Wing we got to know the Dubliners straight away I mean, they just kind of took us under our arms and, and they minded us. And we were a young band, but they showed us so much love and care. And I was a great fan of of the Dubliners as a kid. We were we were rare with our music. So they became our friends and, and they showed us the way. So as a result of that, that, they introduced us to people like the Furies, you know, Paddy Riley, all these amazing. I ended up working with Ronnie, obviously, for 10 years yeah. as a solo artist. And that was that We'll was chat amazing. about that. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. We, we played with loads of them, yeah. But, but you, Michael Jackson, did you? Oh, we did support to Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. I remember saying something that they did the 40th anniversary of the Jackson gig and I was looking at quotes online, you know, and they had Stockton's Wing and this young little whippersnapper like, <laughs> what were Stockton's Wing doing there? <laughs> well, we were there because we were, we were like, at the time, Stockton's Wing were flying high. We were a chart band. We were, yeah. we were in the charts all the time and and I always remember going out on the stage in, in Porky Keeve and... The, the roar from the local crowd. I'll never forget that. That was amazing. Mm. So we were there for the two gigs. We did both of them. Never met you now, but yeah. the band were cool. We met the band quite a lot during or the three days we were there. Yeah. Did you support Sinatra, no? No, we did the gig, actually. With, we played with Sammy Davis Jr. That's, when, that's on, the one, and yeah. uh, the three of them were over doing that uh, the ultimate event in, in uh, 89. And we played at a private party and Brendan Grace played at a private party as well. Brendan actually ended up going to Nashville or to, to uh, Las Vegas. As a result of that party, Sinatra loved him. Uh, he kept slagging Sin- Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> he was calling Sinatra Perry Como all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and Sinatra loved him and brought him out. And uh, Sammy Davis then heard us and he, he just came over to talk to us. He got stuck into us. And he said, will you guys come and join me tomorrow night on stage? And we said, oh, yeah. And he tap danced to oh, so a cool. couple of reels and most memorable, uh-huh. memorable time for me. And a beautiful man. Beautiful, beautiful. Fantastic, mm. yeah. Your first track, Mike Hanron, Leonard Cohen. What's behind this one? Well, 
I came from a traditional background, as I said. We were all like reels and jigs and the Cliff Nora Kelly band. And my dad had a very eclectic record collection when he bought his first record player, which is one of those record players were in a suitcase. Remember, you'd, yeah, you'd open yeah, it up. Yeah. But he had all sorts of Cliff Nora and uh, Tom Jones and that. And I was listening to that, and then I'd suddenly, somebody played me a Leonard Cohen song from, uh, Songs from a Room was the album. And I was hooked. And I, I got the album, I bought the album, and I listened to it. And then in my local uh, music shop, I found a book with uh, guitar chords and the words in it. And I had just taken up the guitar. I learned how to play guitar from Leonard Cohen's book. Did you? Yeah. He, it was a, there was a, a system called a tablature system, how he finger-picked. And I learned it, I studied it, and my finger-picking was all from the Leonard Cohen style. And as a result, I learned every song he'd written at the time, so I used to bore for Ireland <laughs> I used to drive I used to drive people they'd be looking for ballads Kevin Barry and things and I'd be no Suzanne takes you down <laughs> and the track you've chosen it's the Sisters of Mercy mm. and it's from the live album he did in London in 2009 I just think the song is beautiful this version is really particularly gorgeous because of a beautiful solo in the middle of it but the lyric is incredible it's his lyrics that got me I I I base my songwriting style on what I learned from how he his imagery in his songs, and, and I'm always chasing the imagery because of 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 what I learned from him. And I read a lot of his books, I've all his poetry books, his novels, and I'm just a complete fan of his. So this is a, the, the lyric. The lyric is stunning. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio One. And Mikey, you talk about Leonard Cohen's lyrics. Now you were a very successful songwriter. As a young fellow, what age were you when you started writing? Well, I know my first song I wrote when I was about 12 and I wrote it when I was in sixth class. I know, I remember well, I don't remember the song, but I remember mm. writing it because I got into trouble because it was a Christmas uh, carol I wrote and I wrote it for St. Joseph and it was all in praise of St. Joseph and, and in it I was saying like we're always hearing about Our Lady and the Jesus, the baby Jesus. Joseph. And no, and no <laughs> Joseph wasn't, wasn't getting a look in. So I wrote, I wrote a Christmas carol for Joseph. But I, I remember at the time it, it, the, the, the teacher wasn't that pleased about it. <laughs> and w- did, would you have sung it at home? Because you're, as you said, your house was a very musical house. Yeah, we. I, I used to sing my own songs at home and I'm sure I drove Dad crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. But I certainly used to drive him mad with the Leonard Cohen songs because <laughs> He couldn't get that at all. <laughs> to him, there were all 20 Leonard Cohen songs sounded like one, you know. Yeah. He was a great fan of my songwriting, my dad. I always remember I wrote a song called We Had It All. And the last verse was written about a little lane where my grandfather used to live. You wouldn't know it, but he, when I sang it to my dad, he said, he said, is that last verse, is that down from Terry McLean and Bellier where Grandy used to live? I said, it is. And I was amazed that oh he, my God. he tuned into that, yeah. you know. He just got the imagery of it. and uh, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. You had some huge success with Stockton's Wing. Yeah, we had a great time. And we were very dedicated to our music. We That's all we were interested in. Was, was We were young fellas. We never wanted to be stars. We just wanted to make music and travel and enjoy ourselves. And we did. We did all those. And we did them very well. <laughs> and we had great times. And we were very lucky at the time because... We were we were supported by by RT Radio Two FM had just come on stream, uh, the young DJs were playing our music, you know, and it just worked. They liked what we were doing, and and in those days, if you hadn't if you didn't have radio, 
And we were one of the first bands to start releasing singles in Irish music as well. So it all kind of happened together and we knocked down a few great years and travelled to so many places, met some amazing people. I think we made good music and this year the, the Universal bought all the old music from Tara Records and released a compilation yeah. album. And I had to kind of uh, help the record company choose the tracks. And I was actually going through the music, you realise, oh, wow, yeah, we, we have some legacy, all right. And it's, and I think when you stand away from something that you do, you can say then, and say, yeah. yeah, it was actually good, you know, because we're not trying to sell anything. We, we don't need to take over the world. Or we just want to enjoy what we, what we did. And hopefully younger people will, will get in and listen to the music. That's really what yeah. we want. Beautiful Affair in particular, though, whether oh, you yeah. want it to be or not becomes your trademark. Oh God, yeah, I'd never. As as uh, if songs were meant were measured in friendships, it would be my best mate, you know. Because, and I never stop singing it. I never stop uh, wanting to sing it. If people want me to sing it, I'll, I'll sing it any time. It has it has brought me so much, and um, I mean, it brought me around the world. It brought me into different people's homes. It gave me great success. It gives me great joy when people when I hear people sing it. It gave me my book, the title for my for my my memoir book, and I'm currently working on on a project, a musical project, and it's given me that as well. So, the song has given me a lot. This your second musical choice, Mike, is Maura Connell. Yeah. Well, you know, I know if everyone says that the best best female singers, I don't go for that because I work with quite a lot of female singers, amazing singers, but Maura Connell, we were friends. We were young kids, setting starting out in the business, and we. We tapped into a style of music that was not really known at the time. It was Americana. Emily Harris had just come on the scene with her first album. And we, we clued into it. And PJ Curtis, our great friend from Clare, had just come back from touring the world with, with the Botti Band. And he'd been producing a couple of albums. And he heard us and he invited us up to his cottage and introduced us to all this amazing music and, and kind of nurtured us. Got us our first demo here in RTE, actually in the big studio. I'll never forget it. And I, I guess that's... Was that nerve-wracking? Nerve-wracking. Crazy, sure. We didn't know what we were doing, you know, and, and we hadn't a clue what we were doing. But I think for us, that friendship will be there because we, we were young, we were totally taken by the music, and our friendship has lasted forever and ever and ever, and, and, and her voice is just... Oh, it's just stunning. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's Maura O'Connell there, the choice of today's guest, Mike Hanron. Mike, we've chatted about the music, but you took an extraordinary career change that gave you another successful career. But what prompted you to move from the world of music, which we've heard your passion for, to the kitchen? Somebody once said it was a rush of blood to my head. <laughs> but, uh, Ronnie Drew, I'd been working with Ronnie for 10 years and it was a very intense time. I'd been... Involved in IMRO, I uh, was chairman of IMRO, and that was really that's really, the musical rights yeah, organization. Irish music, yeah, and yeah. it was really that got really intense for me because it was the business side of it. So that's basically trying to get artists copyrights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'd been heavily involved in, in a fight in Europe to try and uh, maintain the, the rights of our own indigenous music. So yeah. it was full on, and I guess I just got tired of it, and I was burned out really from everything. And we were in Ballymaloo with Ronnie and with Eleanor Shanley and, and we went to see the school and then Rory Allen, who runs Ballymill House, said to me, would you not just come down and try the course? Because he knew I loved my food anyway and I've always loved my food. So I did and, and I was hooked and I ended up spending 10 years in the food business. And But what, what was the reaction of everybody in the music business? They all thought I was mad. Sure. 
including the chefs I was working for. <laughs> I mean, I had so many head chefs uh, telling me over the years when I was getting into it first, what are you doing? There's one great guy, I talk about a lot in the book about a, a place I worked in, McCormick's. You know McCormick's yeah, yeah. well. Paddy gave me a start there. And it was Big John was the, the head chef and he was the old school head chef and he was looking at me. And I reckon I had a... a, a a membership card for St. Michael's A&E department. I was down there so often <laughs> with burns and cuts. And he t- took me aside one day and he says, Jesus, Mike, would you not just, like, cop on? What happens if you burn the hand and you can't play the guitar anymore? Like, are you... T-? And I said, no, John, I'm determined. And I'm a pretty determined kind of a fella. And I said, no, I want to go through. He said, so he said, okay, I'll teach you. I'll teach you if you're that determined, but you've only got one thing to do for me. He says, one thing. I said, what's that? Slow down. He says. <laughs> so John took me aside and, and gave me my start, and I spent 18 months in McCormick's, and that was really great. I l- learned. Then I went back down to Ballymaloo. I ended up teaching mm. in Ballymaloo Cookery School, which was a beautiful experience. And then, of course, Pat Short called me. He was looking for a chef for his pub. This is the Pat Short, in case people comedian, are wondering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the actor and comedian. Yeah. And, and sometimes he plays the, the tin whistle and flute, but it's not really great. <laughs> <laughs> so he asked me down, and um, we had three incredible years together. We created a kind of go-to foodie place, and we got involved in bringing good music into the village of Castle Martyr in East Cork, got involved with local GA teams. And had music and with food and and we had a great time. He was a great man. We had a great time together. We were became really really good close friends and and we remain friends ever yeah. since. Yeah. You never left music and music never left you. No, I did. I sang the odd thing even when I was in. There was a great village in, in Cork, Ballycotton, which I I really love. And I lived there for a while when I was down there. And there was a session every Sunday there, so that kept my kept mm-hmm. me in. But. It was nice in a way, does to be not known. You know, in a in a world that nobody really knew anything about you. You were you were just you were there for food. So it meant I could enjoy my music and and I really I got back playing. I didn't write any songs. No, I, I hadn't written a song for years. And um but I enjoyed the playing and I enjoyed the crack from the friends I had, the new friends I had. And you're and you're you've been back writing now during COVID. Oh it's crazy it's crazy. <laughs> crazy. I've written more. I mean my COVID lockdown is, is scary from for people like me because we don't we've no gigs mm. and there's no sign of gigs and it is really we're very af- afraid of it that we have no future to but I decided f- from earlier on earlier I said I really needed to make uh, the best of this time so I got up every morning very early and I I went into my my den and I started writing and then I had a Facebook regular gig every day. Uh, that I did for 57 days. The cookery. Yeah, yeah, and it was, and that kept me occupied. But during that, I was writing and I was able to p- play my new songs to an audience. So I just kept going. I'm still writing. It's even even now I've, I've got shows that I'm, wor- I'm working on. I've got new songs I'm working on. Yeah, it's been... There's one thing really caught my attention. You're working on a musical. Yeah. You have that same reaction that people said, you're writing a book. (laughs) 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 You're becoming a chef. (laughs) If I keep myself guessing, I'll keep the world guessing. So a really, really close friend of mine suggested to me a few years ago that I should really consider a musical. And I said, I couldn't do that. You know, I'm looking at Annie and all these things. But then I saw other musicals in recent years, bits of it on on YouTube. And it's, it's not all about those kind of songs, you know, the, the hills are alive. Yeah. And she said, I have all these songs. So I started writing a musical and I have the story written. 
I've got the characters written and we're just kind of piecing it together now over the next it'll take another couple of months of, yeah. of work but uh, very exciting really it's exciting. a great project yeah. really exciting the story remains a secret does it? Um, yeah I think it's yeah. the best leave it as a keep them guessing yeah let yeah. it go it's a, it's, so that's a great now it's scary times obviously are you worried about when gigs can re resume or I'm extremely worried yeah I'm extremely worried from from a, a personal point of view I miss the stage and I miss the connection really really badly and it, no gig on, on online will, will get me sure. to that space that you have when you connect with people and I'd been on my book tour so it was just me and my book and my guitar and that was a different connection altogether it was beautiful mm. so I'd like to get back to that I think we will get there we will get back I think when when the if maybe if they get a cure or something from this it'll it'll ease people's minds, but we don't know. And I think I speak for all the musicians I know. It's it we're really we're scared. I'm lucky. My wife works and she's worked right through it. I'm building my next level of of career with with the shows I'm writing. Mm-hmm. So I'll have st- stuff ready to go, and that's all you can do. I mean, there's nothing else you can do mm-hmm. and, because I'm not on my own. There's thousands of people like me and I think it's it's just best to support each other as best we can mm-hmm. is really what it's all about and and try and get people to buy music. A friend of mine, Roy Buckley, has just released his first ever single in Cork and it reached number two in the download charts and he's excited and I think, okay, I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks promoting Roy Buckley, <laughs> you know, because he's a really good friend yeah. of mine and mm-hmm. I think that people should download his single, you know. And I think that's the best thing we can do as a community is support and help each other rather than knocking and doing that whole online stuff that you, you get sometimes. It's all about supporting each other, I think. So your final musical choice, Mike Hanron? Well, it, it might come as a surprise to you and a few people out there, but it's a band called Eels. I've been a fan of Eels since their first album, and that's back in the early 90s. And they're, the guy, E, who runs the band, it's his band, he's a, um, a powerful songwriter, but great music. He mixes from hip-hop into rock and pop. But he's essentially a brilliant songwriter. And I've been at their shows, and they'd rock the place out in the Olympia or, or over in Vic Street or whatever. And then when I was doing an album with Ronnie Drew, and there's the, the two reasons that's why I'm picking the song today. Ronnie Drew and Eleanor Shandy, I was producing an album for them down in Galway in Sharon Shannon's studio. And we went away for a few days to pick up a few songs. And I just, I just snuck in this eel song to, to Ronnie... <laughs> Because I thought, just wouldn't it be cool, Ronnie Drew singing <laughs> Eels? So I played it to Ronnie, and he loved it. And Eleanor loved it. And they recorded it, and they made a really gorgeous job of it. Mm-hmm. So that was a kind of... I, I was, I was thrilled. Victory. I was yeah. thrilled. I was <laughs> thrilled. And then, when I was doing the lockdown uh, gigs on Facebook, I started singing my own version of it earlier on. And it actually became a kind of an anthem for the lockdown. Uh, these could be the good old days. And it's all about let's make the best of what we have because these could actually be our good old days. And and it connected with the audience that I was getting every day. Hundreds of people were tuned in to me and there were all, so many times that say, give us the eel song again, you know. So that's why I'm picking it because we're at the end of lockdown and I think it's it's a kind of salute to to those, those crazy few months we've just had to been through. Really enjoyed the chat. Mike Hanron, thanks very much for joining us. Absolute pleasure, Daisy. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.